Yes, this is good. Okay, um, so we, we kind of did, uh, before I went away, we did a couple weeks on love. We did the love of God and then we did us becoming the love of God and loving one another. And you guys remember all that stuff that I talked about? It was like four weeks ago, five weeks ago. And then we kind of like, I went away for a bit and then Ben did mental health. And so we kind of like lost track of it. But I'm gonna try and get back on track tonight and maybe we'll like finish love. I don't know, I'm just gonna do whatever I can this week. And um, so did you guys see that I wrote on the Facebook thing that the title of this talk is called God's Weapon of Love? Mm -hmm. is, is anyone curious what that is? <laughs> Love and weapons. <laughs> Love and weapons. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge contrast. Um, um, cool. Well, that's that's one interpretation of yes, exactly. I got to say something for for later. Um, is anyone curious what the weapon of love is? Oh, I thought the weapon was love. <laughs> As in the weapon. Do you guys actually read? Oh, I see. As in weapon, comma of love. Yeah. Damn. I should have wrote God's weapon, colon, of love. No, that wouldn't no, work. Damn it. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, it wouldn't have mattered. Love's we weapon. We all don't read. We just sort of stand on I actually thought that most people would do that because I kind of do that as well with a lot of other stuff because there's so much stuff going on in that Facebook group. So I'm just like, it's a lot. <laughs> That's my confession, guys. Please forgive me. Um, anyway, I'm not going to tell you what the, what the weapon is until later. Oh, wow. Leave you in a bit of suspense. That's how I get you. Just, you know, bait the hook and then you buy it and then sucked in. You got to wait. Um, all right, I'm going to tell you guys a story first. Um, this involves Ben and I think you were the only one there. This is when you guys went to Heidi Baker a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Set the scene. It was March the first and we had a worship night event here and Chad Dedman came and then a few frothers, I wasn't able to go with them, but they, this is Ben, this is Brad, this was Ange and uh, Brad Wall and Riley, Curtis and, is that it? Mon. And Mon. Those guys stayed up all night and drove to Melbourne the next day to go see Heidi Baker. And then they went to a one day conference there, they saw Heidi, they said it was awesome and they came back. And then Brad, cause Brad's my brother-in-law he called us up on the morning he got back, which I think was Friday or Saturday or something like that. And he goes, I got to come around and I got to tell you what happened. And I was like, cool, like I want to hear what you learned from Heidi. And I just expected like the conference to be awesome. But he, lit he came around, him and Ellie, and they literally did not speak about the conference pretty much at all. They only spoke about the car trip. And I was like, this is really weird because that is a long car trip. <laughs> It's usually quite boring and all Brad wanted to talk about was the car trip. I was like, something must have, like, something epic must have happened on that car trip. And then he started telling me all the stories that were happening on this car trip and I was literally blown away. And if I forget any, you just tell me, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said stuff like, oh man, he said like, as soon as they got in there, everyone was just like, put the worship music on, put the worship music on. And as soon as they did, it was just all like, they were like unified and they were just like, they're just like a family and they're just like worshiping together. It was just like this amazing setting the scene, right? And then God started highlighting Ben and highlighting Ange. And then they said they started prophesying over those two. And then they pulled over into a field halfway through the trip and started worshiping and frolicking in the field, like weird stuff. But <laughs> we just heard a song that was like, it was like, oh, okay. um, it was talking about like 
like Don't running around in the yeah. fields with guns. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And we saw a film like, yes, we're gonna do that right now. <laughs> yeah, so they were frolicking, frolicking as you do, and um, and then like oh, I can't remember all the stories, but like like the presence of God was like crazy, and like angels getting rocked and stuff, and you were getting rocked, especially you two. That's what I remember him saying. And then you had this massive encounter with this guy that you went to go pray for and God encountered you with love. And then Riley put on this music and they, they, it was like apparently angels were like in the recording of the music. And then they, they started listening to it and they're like, oh, this is amazing. Then they heard angels in the car, but only Ben and Ange and maybe Riley. Was it yeah, Riley as well? Riley. None, of the other, none of the others could hear it. I was like, these are the, literally the craziest stories I've ever heard. People got healed. Um, am I missing anything? There was crazy stuff happening. Yeah. I can't remember. Literally, this is what Brad downloaded to me. I was like, this is, this is insane. I was like, okay, this is, this is cool and thank you so much for sharing, but I have, I have a huge question for you. Why did all that stuff happen? Like, we hang out a lot and that stuff just doesn't seem to happen very often and then in one day or two, like literally thing after thing happened and people were getting rocked. Like, I was genuinely, genuinely curious what was the difference between this particular car trip and, and gathering and everything else? You guys know what I'm saying? Because if you can figure that out, like that's kind of cool. <laughs> Not like you're trying to manipulate God and replicate it, but like I'm curious to see why he showed up in that way at that particular time, if we can understand it at all. So, yes. I started to think about it and I was like, I think what it was just because I know these guys, I know their lives, I know their hearts for God, I know they all absolutely love Jesus, they've literally all given their, their entire lives to God. I started to think about the power of unity and the power of gathering together in the name of Jesus. And I was like, I think probably what happened on that car trip, because I wasn't there, so I'm just like secondhand experience. But I think probably what happened was that you guys were so of the same spirit, of the same mind, all gathered together in Jesus' name. You're all different people, but you all came together and just kind of put those differences aside and just came together, like literally for the name of Jesus, no real other reason, no real other motive. And then that attracted the presence of God like nothing that you'd ever seen before. Does that make sense? I think that's my, that's my theory on that. Cause I tried to <laughs> explain it in my head. I was like, I've never heard such crazy testimonies in my entire life. And yet you've just given me 10 in a day. Like that's weird. <laughs> Does that make sense? Anyway. Um, so I started to think about like how powerful it is. Like the idea that you would gather in, in the name of someone and that you would have this different people with different minds and different lives and different perspectives and different uh, priorities and all these different things, but you, you come together and you gather for the name of Jesus. That to me is like super powerful without even talking about the church and, and, and unity and, and God's plan and all that sort of stuff, which I'm going to get into tonight. By the way, that's the weapon of love, church, um, the church. Um, I, it, that just is powerful. Like the most incredible things I've ever seen happen on this earth happen probably through people gathering together for a common cause. For example, the Apple iPhone. Could Steve Jobs have made that thing on his own? <laughs> Absolutely not. Could he have even made it on his own if he had all the, 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 the backing of history of technology and, and all it all building up? Still no, like he relied on 
all these like thousands of years of history of technology and all that sort of stuff coming together and then a group of people united with one cause and then they come together with a, with a particular purpose and design and like discipline and they make this product and it literally changes the whole world. Do you know what I mean? Because people gathered together for a common cause and then the world was never the same. And there's something powerful about that. Like literally, at, like you on your own can go so far, but you together with other people, like there's really no limit. And like, you can try and change the world yourself, but if you gather enough people around you that want to change the world with you, you can actually do it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's good. It's powerful. Jesus says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with them also. Did you know Jesus said that? Where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with them also. But Nathan, I thought he was with us all the time. Well, I, personally, I think that he is with us all the time. But there is an extra special, an extra level of his presence, of his, of his glory, of his him <laughs> that is, is there when two or more are gathered for in his name. When two or more are gathered in his name, there's an extra sense of Jesus there. And when more and more and more people gather in his name, there's more of him there. Of course, he's everywhere. You know what I mean? But there's, there's different measures of presence in the word of God. And especially revolving around people gathering together. You guys know what I'm saying? There, there are things that attract the presence of God. Things that attract the presence of God. Holiness. Living a holy life. Like saying no to sin and walking with God. That attracts the presence of God. That attracts Him. That attracts His nature. Gathering together with people and loving one another. That attracts Him. That brings Him in. I believe anyway. Um... So, and then I started to think about, I was just like, kind of like processing this. I literally had no sermon until worship night last Wednesday. God literally downloaded this whole thing in my mind. I didn't even ask him for a sermon. And he just, just smashed me about the church. He was like, you have no idea how important the church is. I was like, frick, I don't. Because <laughs> he calls her his bride. And we badmouth the church so much. But if anyone badmouthed my bride, I'd be so upset about that. But we do it all the time. And he goes, this is my plan for bringing my love and my glory to the world. And everyone just hates on her, hates on her, hates on her. Anyway, he was just, yeah, smashed me with it. It was good. Um, I started to realize all the breakthroughs I've had in my life, just me personally, I don't know you guys' lives, but I imagine it probably would be the same. All the big milestone moments, like really big moments of strength and breakthrough and understanding and all these different things, right? I could trace almost every single one of them back to the church in some way. Like either I listened to a, a, a preacher at a church and then I got rocked by his revelation or his understanding of a particular passage of scripture or what God is like, or people were praying for me and I got healed or I, I saw something happen or someone came up and encouraged me and gave me a, a word of knowledge or all these huge big things, right? I could trace almost every single one of them back to the church. And it wasn't even like we were really trying to do that, but it just kind of happened as we were going to church. <laughs> and it's not even like going to church. It was just like literally gathering together in the name of Jesus. Like some people would not call this church, but it totally is to a large degree. Like I'm not name, naming and labeling it as a kind of church. I'm not saying, oh, we're this particular domination. And blah, blah, blah. I'm saying we're, we're gathered here in the name of Jesus. It is the church. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And stuff happens here. Like who was there on Wednesday night, worship night? If you guys were, stuff happened there that night 
that I've not seen happen anywhere else outside of a particular Christian gathering. Does that make sense? People got delivered, rocked, healed, saved, all in like an hour or two. Whereas you try and meet up with people one-on-one and trying to do all this thing yourself, it's kind of like, it's not happening. I mean, it did, it, it did, sorry. It is and it does, but it seems to go a lot better when there's a lot of people gathered together. Do you guys know what I'm saying? It's freaking powerful and we totally, totally underestimate the church. Like it's, it's Jesus's plan A, his master plan for bringing his love, his glory, his message to the world is the church. And we do not revere her in our hearts. We just don't. Some of us do, I think. But it, like, I was getting smashed by this. I don't in my heart. I was just like, oh, I got my own relationship with God. I'm kind of sweet. You know what I mean? I got YouTube. I got these different things. That's, that's all I need. <laughs> Seriously, I've gotten so much stuff from YouTube. It's awesome. <laughs> but that's not Jesus' plan. That is not Jesus' plan. Um, Jesus says, okay, wait, before that. The big idea of tonight is God's weapon of love on this earth is the church. And I'm going to add to that, and we should revere that. God's weapon of love on this earth is the church, and we should revere that. Jesus says to Peter, this is kind of like my main verse for tonight, and I tell you, well, I didn't realize he said that, sorry. I'm just reading this verse for the first time today, obviously. Um, he goes, and I tell you that you are Peter. I didn't realize that he said that. <laughs> and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Some translations say the gates of hell. And then, kind of like in my little Bible notes, it says, um, what did it say? Like the place of death. That's what Hades refers to. The place of death. So the gates of the place of death, it can't prevail against the people of God. That's a weird sentence. (laughs) Anyone else find that weird? The gates of a particular place of death, they can't stop us, is what Jesus is saying. Okay. No one says in the middle of a war, bring out the gates. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Because gates, they're not good weapons. (laughs) They're defensive. You guys know what I'm saying? So it's not as if hell's attacking. The the place of of, of death is attacking. It's defending. It's running scared. And the church is the one who's attacking. Do you guys see that? We don't view it like that. We go oh crap, I'm being attacked by hell, I'm being attacked by Satan, I'm being attacked, I'm being attacked, I'm being attacked. Jesus goes, yeah, they're not going to be able to survive against you. Like, you got this. And on Peter, he says, I'm going to build, I'm going to build my church. Peter. The guy was an absolute loudmouth buffoon. <laughs> he just kept getting things wrong time and time and time again. It was crazy. But Jesus is like, yeah, I'll, just, I'll, I'll pick you. I'll build my bride on you crazy but anyway i started looking it up right and i was like why did jesus say the gates of hell because i get they're defensive right but when i when i looked it up it said in this is like a greek definition kind of thing it was like the gates of hell refers to the gates of a prison that's kind of like the the way in which that sentence was used the gates of a prison so like 
And as soon as it said prison, some things started to pop up for me. I was like, there's a few uh, different verses that says Jesus went down and led out a host of captives. This is Ephesians 4. Led out, he descended and led out a host of captives, right? And then also it says it in 1 Peter 3, that he, he actually released the prisoners. So people, including us, if we, uh, at, at some point, we were prisoners of the gates of hell, the kingdom of hell, the place of death. We were prisoners there. You right, Aiden? Yeah. <laughs> Holy Spirit's just smashing you. It's good. Um, actually, why, why he did that? <laughs> so Aiden was just like, like getting a bit of a jolt from the Holy Spirit. I started getting them too this, we are, this year, and I'd never gotten anything like that before in my entire life. And when it started happening, I was like, this is so weird. I didn't ask for it. He just kind of did it for me. And I was like, okay, I'm just going along with this. This is kind of funny and cool. And... Um, and it started happening all the time. And I was just like jolting all over the place. And now it's just kind of stopped. And I was like, oh God, what's happening? Like, why have you stopped like manifesting like that? But then it only comes back when I'm gathering together with Christians. Like literally it does not come at all any other time. I know it's so weird. It's such a strange conversation, but this is my experience. <laughs> and I feel like God was just saying like, look how powerful it is. Look, look, look at my presence when you're gathering together with people. So even that. This is cool. Oh, he's here. <laughs> I feel like I'm burning up. Oh, You're burning up. I'm you okay? You want... hot right now. Really? Yeah. You want to drink of water? Like, it's a good thing. It's a good it's thing. Like, it's a, one of the ways you know that the Holy Spirit's here. Okay. That's it. Like everyone, everyone reacts to God differently. Everyone has their own way of just like connecting with God. And that's obviously, that's your thing. That's not going to be everyone's thing. And that's different to me. The hot thing, I don't, I don't get that. So it's cool. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. The prison of hell of which, of which we were all once captives will not prevail against Jesus' body and his bride. The prison of hell cannot prevail against it. And so I was chatting to Ben last night actually at church and um, he was saying that during the Randy Clark conference, there was some guy, was it the same guy you just mentioned? Yeah. yeah. He gave a vision of this like glory cloud in the sky and within the cloud, there was actually a prison and this is just after I'd written this talk. So I was like, I was mind blown already by this point. I was like, I literally just wrote this. Anyway, he goes, there was this prison and the prison was like hell. And then people were coming out of the doors. And as soon as they came out of the doors, like the glory cloud would just kind of encapsulate them. Is that right? Yeah. Kind of encapsulate them. And, and yeah. then they turned into like the fivefold ministry. They turned into... Like as soon as yeah. they stepped into his glory, they're like sprinting out. He's wow. Like, that's yeah. crazy. And then literally I heard that same, this same verse again today. So I just feel like it's super just out there right now. But um, yeah, it's just, that's just so cool. Um, yeah. So it is a war. It is a war. Like the, hell is on the defensive and the church is on the attack. But it's a war we fight by love because we're trying to get the prisoners out. And you do that by loving them and showing them the love of God. And then... Hopefully they turn and repent and come to Jesus and they get set free. That's how I view it anyway. Okay. We love God and we love one another. And that is the environment God intended for his gospel to go out and grow in. We love God and we love one another. This is what the church is. We love God together. We love God. We serve God and we love one another. And that is the environment God intended for his gospel to go out in. And as we go and as we preach and live the good news, people get set free Prisons get emptied one person at a time and the church is emptying the prison. 
You guys following so far? I know it's kind of like a bit airy-fairy, but I hope that makes sense. Um, so I read this, I read this um, article. It's kind of a lol article. Like it's, is it satire? Chess, you'd know this. Where you, where you kind of like, a, a satirical articles that you're making fun of a particular... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, cool. So you guys know the Babylon Bee? Anyone yeah. seen that? <laughs> it's like a, yeah, it's like um, Christian, that's a satire, right? Yeah. So that's like Christian satirical articles on Facebook and stuff. Um, it's just funny stuff. Um, and I read this one called Father of Three Wonders When He'll Get the Chance to Influence Others for Christ. And I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. Because that's like something I think about all the time. Anyway, it's, I'm going to read it out to you because it's not very long. Um, Stating that he had been feeling a sense of purposelessness and melancholy for some months now, local father of three, Andrew Harbour, recently began wondering when he would ever get a chance to impact anyone for the sake of Christ, sources close to him confirmed Thursday. Harbour reportedly spends his days working 10 hours at a desk job and his nights taking and playing with his three children. I just wish God would place a few people in my life for whom I could make an eternal difference, Harbour told reporters his head in his hands. <laughs> I just don't have time to do any, anything for the kingdom of God while I provide for my family and spend time with my three boys. <laughs> Surely the Lord will have something important for me to do someday, <laughs> he added sadly. He further stated that every second of his day is taken up by with mundane, sorry, quote unquote, mundane tasks like instructing and caring for his children, <laughs> leaving him little to no time to evangelize or influence others for the gospel. I've just got my hands full with these kids. When will I ever get to do some important kingdom work for God? <laughs> he lamented. And that's the end of the article. And like, I was like lolling at that hard because like, I, I totally struggle with that. I totally struggle with that. I'm just like, I'm at a computer every single day typing away in this office and I don't really get to chat to many people about Jesus and this, what's the point of all this and when am I going to have an eternal purpose and all this sort of stuff, right? Um, and and what what God was kind of smashing me with is that like I actually think to some degree that me hanging out with Christians and, and going to church and loving the church and helping to build the church is actually not eternally significant. Like, because part of me thinks, oh, they're already saved. They're, they were like this last year. They're not really getting any better. And I just kind of start downgrading it in my mind. And it's just like, oh, the church becomes this like, oh, I guess I'll go. I guess I'll do my best here. I guess I'll serve. I guess I'll... Do you know what I mean? And it's not this like, it, there's no reverence for the bride of Christ. I'm going to go and meet with the bride of Christ tonight. Imagine if you actually said that out loud and you meant it. <laughs> the bride of Christ. That's what the Bible says about the church. How crazy is that? That's, that's, this is, the church is Jesus' fiancé. And he's waited a really long time for the wedding day. He's like, he's like, he's so patient right now. Like I had to wait seven months to get married once I was engaged. And that was like a freaking long time. Jesus had been waiting thousands of years <laughs> for his, his, to just to wait to see his bride walk down the aisle. And, th and I'm definitely going to speak on marriage at some point, guys, because marriage is so incredible. The whole picture is like pointing to how Jesus relates to his bride. To his church, the whole of the marriage relationship on this earth points to how he relates to his people. How incredible is that? The whole thing's like a metaphor. You're living in a metaphor, an analogy, to point something greater than itself. Holy crap, that's crazy. 
crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to I just want to tackle that that whole thing and just like I think what I want you guys to just walk away with tonight is just having a reverence for the church. Cuz God has reverence for the church and we often don't. We often talk about her behind her back. We say horrible things about her. We just badmouth her. We say she's divided. She's got too many things going wrong with her. I'm going to start my own church. I'm going to do my own thing. And God's not like that. He goes, hey, that's my bride you're talking about. That's kind of rude. <laughs> anyway. Um, we need to realize that loving the people around us and building God's church is our purpose. If you're struggling with purposelessness, I seriously struggle with this a lot. Like, this has been a huge battle in my own heart for so many years. Like, it still is to some degree, but I'm, I'm working through it. Like, we need to realize that there is such purpose in loving the people that are in front of you today, in building the people that are in front of you today. Like, if I was going to get super introspective and, like, and all crazy, like sometimes Christians do, technically, Teaching Night has less people now than when it started. So you could take that to heart, hey? <laughs> you could be like, hey, Nathan's not growing. You're not doing your job. But it's, for me, it's so not about that. Like literally, if two people came tonight, I don't think it'd be any different. I would just be like, okay, these are the people that God's put in front of me today. I'm going to love and encourage and serve them the best that I know how in this moment. And that's it. I'm not going to worry about who God brings or... Does that make sense? Yeah. Loving and serving the people that are in front of us today is so eternally significant. It's incredible. Um... Uh, I feel like a little bit our community tries to take the um, the weight and the burden, or not burden, but like the task of like making disciples and, and, and preaching the gospels of the whole world on ourselves, on our own shoulders and going out as a single person. And because we, we kind of idolize some people sometimes of like Todd White and all these evangelists that we see, we go, oh, that's what I need to be. That's what I want to do. And that is great if you have that calling, that gifting, and that, that's where God's like enabling you to be but like don't look at that and go that's more important than hanging out with the church and bringing people to church because that's honestly usually where people get saved and get healed and get delivered and get rocked and get revelations and because God's presence so much stronger in my opinion <laughs> when people gather in his name church is incredible church is incredible and we could do a lot better at like taking care of her and looking after her. Um, okay. Now it's good. It's, it's honestly, it's good if you're going to go out there and do your own thing, like in your own personal way and, and talk to people about Jesus and, and start your own ministry and all that sort of stuff, right? But just remember, the church was God's idea. It's his weapon. It's his plan. It's his master plan. You might, you might say, God, that's a crap plan. Look at it across the earth right now. Your plan is literally failing hard. It's so divided. It's so hypocritical. It's so judgmental. It's so all these things that you're not God. And God's like, still my A plan. It's still my A plan. And I, I struggle to believe that a little bit. I'm just like, how could you, how is that your go-to thing? I can't believe you picked that as your like answer for the problems on planet earth. <laughs> Because I probably wouldn't have done that. Do you know what I mean? I would have like gathered really talented, skillful, intelligent people around me, <coughs> fixed onto a goal and just gone after it. God's like, yeah, I'm just going to build everyone into this thing. 
And you know what? I was thinking about that. I was like, you know what? That brings you so much more glory because the church has obviously huge potential to go really, really bad, which means when she does go good, holy crap, that brings him so much more glory. Mm. You guys know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> the capacity to which she has to go bad is, the is, is how incredible it is when she goes good because she could have gone this way. Do you know what I mean? She totally could have, but she didn't. She came back this way. And like, it, 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 as an example, imagine comparing um, two people that made it to the Olympics, right? One was like born into a super privileged family, had like incredible training, had unlimited supplies, money, encouragement even. Um, and let's say, let's say it was a swimmer. And then you got compared to a, um, an, another person who was born in like the slums, didn't have a swimming pool in their village, had to walk like six miles to get there every day, but just like committed to it, just like went hard after it, like didn't have access to good nutrition or encouragement or money or anything like that, but they still made it to the Olympics. Mm. How much more like glorious is that second story than the first? Mm. Because the potential for it to go wrong was far greater. And so when they did go right, it's like that is an amazing story. And that's the story he's writing with the people of God, his church right now because they have such huge capacity to go bad, and you've seen that, we've all seen that and experienced that probably, that when they go good, it brings him way more glory. Because it's like, man, I've seen what humans do when they gather together around something, they usually kind of ruin it, but God, you must be doing something here because these people are like literally incredible. <laughs> and, and like d descriptions like that about the church should be more common, but they're not. Usually it's quite negative. But anyway, we're working on that, right? Um, <laughs> it was his plan A of how he was going to usher in the righteousness he purchased through the death of his son. So we, we covered righteousness exten extensively and that was awesome. But how he was going to get it to the world was through the church. It's like such a perfect plan given to such imperfect people. And it's like, man, you guys know what I'm saying. I think I've driven that point home. But it's pretty incredible that he's, he's done that. Um, Acts twenty twenty eight. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which, that's like the church, and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers or leaders of, <coughs> to care for the church of God. And listen to this, which he obtained with his own blood. The church of God, God obtained, Jesus obtained with his own blood. He, he sees her value way more than we do. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's, she's totally worth my blood. And we just like, don't necessarily agree. <laughs> because if we did agree, we'd speak really highly of her and we'd pour our lives into serving the church. But we kind of don't. We kind of church shop, we criticize, we go if we can be bothered. <laughs> it kind of is all about us. And Jesus' example is that he lived for others. You guys know what I'm saying? Mm. That's what the church should be. What Jesus paid for with his own blood was the church, and yet we neglect her and we bash her. He sees her value and we often don't. We often, and honestly, maybe I'm guilty of this too, we put emphasis on personal relationship with God so strong that we forget that we are part of a body. Now, I've, I've spoken a lot about personal relationship with God, knowing God, getting to know God. Right? That's been, that's been like the point of teaching night, for goodness sake. But 
I'm sorry if I put such a strong emphasis on that, that you forgot that you're part of a body and you're not just an individual who goes into their bedroom to meet with God. Because that, that, that language and that talk and that, that kind of stuff can be really like, like, like it, it dominates this community sometimes. It's just like, oh, it's all about your personal relationship with God. And yeah, it is. But don't let that become so big that you forget that you're part of a body. And that, know, isn't that how the, the body of the church is going to actually be produced? By every single one of us yeah. coming into the bedroom, bedroom and getting the intimacy with God. Yeah, totally. And by getting the intimacy with God, that's how we are then going to go out. By receiving it, we're going to go out and show the love of God. Absolutely. I fully, wholeheartedly, 100% agree with that. I think what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that when we emphasize that part so strong that we forget about the larger picture in general and we don't we, we when we're going okay with our own relationship with god sometimes that's enough for us but we're not thinking about our, our, how are others going and we're not like intentionally going out of our way and we're not going well with god then yeah exactly <laughs> but that's what i mean if you if you just emphasize, emphasize personal relationship with god and how you're going yeah. that's really not like god <laughs> It's always that answer, hey. <laughs> Does God heal or not heal? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's totally like that. It's like, is he all about personal relationship? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is he all about the body? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, and they're not they're not separate as I'm saying them right now. No, they're absolutely not exclusive at all. But I'm saying sometimes I feel like the emphasis can just be on personal relationship, and then we kind of forget about others a little bit. I don't know. I'm just, I just don't want to like overemphasize something that's just like, you know, I shouldn't. Dude, I heard that. We swing from extremity to extremity. Yeah, totally. We do. That's just what humanity that is. Exactly. Humans do that all the time. Oh man, I've done that so many times in my life. It's ridiculous. I've got to rebuke me like every single new season of my life. He was like, yeah, you went way too far with that thing. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> and he pulls me back. And I've slowly just gotten a little bit better at being in the middle, like where he is. But totally we overshoot it sometimes. I mean, all the time. Anyway. Um, now, this is what we say about the church. And like, honestly, if you don't feel this way about the church in your heart, I'm not saying that you definitely do this. I'm just saying the body of Christ at large is not good overall, generally speaking, at talking about itself. <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying? We say often that this is stuff I've heard with my own ears from friends. You know what I mean? And, and like non-Christians. We say, she's divided. She's irrelevant. She's boring. She's unnecessary. She's hypocritical. She's unloving. And she's everything that I don't agree with. <laughs> like whenever you, sometimes you bring up the church to, um, to Christians and they go, um, I like this church, this church, and this church, but everything else I don't agree with. So I don't, I don't really like them. And it's like, it's such a negative aspect. All you're focusing on is what you don't agree with. But like oftentimes, you probably do agree with 97% of what they agree with. But for some reason, we focus on the three and we make a big deal out of the three. And yeah, I'm not saying compromise on truth, but I am saying focus on the 97. <laughs> focus on what unites you, not what divides you. Like the Bible says there is one faith, one spirit, one Lord, right? How about we focus on the fact that we all worship the one Lord and we all have the one spirit. And yes, we may have differences in truth. We may. I respect that. I understand that. But we all have the same spirit, we all have the same Lord, and we all have the same faith. So we should love one another because we're definitely brothers and sisters 
You guys know what I'm saying? Jumping ahead of myself. Um, hey, Nick, I, yo. I, um, I think it's great, you know, what you're saying. And I was thinking about this on the weekend, you know, that it's almost like our, our love for God is measured by our love for his body or one another. Yeah. Like everyone says they love God, but the reality is, do we love the person that's sitting next to us? Totally. Our love for God is measured or revealed through the love mm-hmm. that we have Fully. for one another. Mm-hmm. And that, that totally connects with, um, you guys remember that talk I did on loving one another? Mm-hmm. And I said that, like, from the book of 1 John, like John writes, if you, if you say you know God and you hate your brother, you are a liar. It's just, I just love how blunt it is. It's just like, it's literally impossible for you to say you know God and to not love your brother or sister. Mm-hmm. Impossible. You're, you are lying through your teeth. <laughs> it's like they are one and the same. Like if, if the church is the body of Christ and you say, I love Christ who is the head, how can you say I love Christ but I hate the body? How can you say that? They are one and the same. They are interconnected. When Paul, when, when, when uh, Jesus interrupts Saul of Tarsus on his way to go and kill more Christians, he says to Saul, 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 why do you persecute me? Was Saul persecuting Jesus? No. He's persecuting the church. And Jesus goes, yeah, that's me. How crazy is that? How personal does he take it? Like literally how you, how you treat others at the church is how you treat God. How you love other people is how you love God. They are one and the same. Don't, don't separate what God's joined together. Thanks, Jules, for bringing that up because I, I fully agree. And that, that totally just ties in exactly what I was saying a few weeks ago about love. So thank you, Jesus. So we say all that stuff that I just read out about the church, but Jesus goes, that's my fiance and I love her to the point of death. That's what Jesus says of the church. And like, honestly, Jesus writes letters in Revelation 1, uh, chapters 1 to 3 and he rebukes the church. I'm not saying he doesn't have problems with it. He, he, says, he even says he'll close the doors if they don't repent of that particular church. But it's still his, it, he, sorry, she is still his fiance. He still sees potential in her. He still, he still saw exactly what she was going to do and he still chose her <laughs> to be the plan A, bringing in righteousness and love to this world. If we just change our perspective on the church and actually learn how to love one another in the church and be a real family, we would honestly see this world change. So, okay, here's a crazy example, right? The, um, the homosexual community in America, I think is 2.7% of the population of America. So it's really, it's not a large group of people, but the community itself is so influential on the entire culture of America. In media, in thought, in politics, in teaching, in everything. Like a really, really small community has a really, really big voice. Now, the church is literally the exact opposite. I think right now there's about 2 billion Christians on earth. That's Catholic, Christian, Orthodox, all that stuff. If you combine them all together, it's like 2 billion, 2 point something billion. There's 7 billion people on the earth. So it's like close to a third, maybe a bit less, right? Um, that's a very large group of people. 
but the reason it is so quiet and so uninfluential is because it is divided <laughs> and it, it is not um, it is not living up to the potential of what God created it to be and so it's ineffective in, in many different ways and if we would just change our perspective on the church and realize that we are far more in common than we have that differentiates <laughs> us and we came together with that in mind and we loved people we would change this world 100% the resources that churches had if they came together would be ridiculous absolutely imagine two people two billion people right now coming together that's all of china and all of india combined <laughs> coming together right now for one purpose that would change this world in a day but she's unfortunately so split up over different things and, and we focus on the negative and what separates us rather than what joins us there's so much that joins us and i'm not saying lower your guard and don't watch out for false teachers of course watch out for false teachers but have discernment to know who is a sheep and who is a wolf and then love the sheep and kick out the wolf <laughs> thing is we don't love the sheep we call everyone who doesn't agree with us a wolf and we kick them all out we start our own thing <laughs> we do <laughs> anyway <laughs> okay um jesus says he goes, when you learn, wait, when you love one another, then the world will know that you are my disciples. When you love one another, then the world will know that you are my disciples. How crazy is that? The whole world's going to know that we follow Jesus and they're going to see him in us when we just learn to love one another. Mm -hmm. uh, part of me is legitimately thinking that the world is honestly moving sometimes stronger in love than even the churches. And honestly, I'm not bad mouthing churches. This is literally what I'm seeing. I'm seeing actual, genuine, real love. Like, I didn't <coughs> see this today, but apparently there was like a concert to honor all the horrible terrorist stuff. Yeah, that like happened at the Ariana Grande uh, concert a few weeks yeah. ago. And they, they all came together and like, all these stars came together. And like, I don't know the motives of their heart, but from what I can tell, that was incredible, genuine love for people that were hurting. And that's incredible. And, and we should call that out when we see something that's really good. When we see something that's part of God's character that the world's doing, we should go, yes, that's awesome. Please keep doing that. Thank you so much for doing that. Do you know what I mean? And we should learn from that <laughs> if we're not doing that ourselves. You guys know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Imagine someone going out with a single flame. This is just a random picture that I had in my head when I was writing this talk. Imagine someone going out with like a torch like a little like torch with a flame on top of it. And you're trying to go out and like warm people and just like, like people were freezing on the streets and you're trying to just go out and warm them. Like I'll give my, my torch here or my torch there, or my torch here and I try and warm you, I try and warm you. But imagine if like everyone that had a flame, let's say the people that were, had flames were Christians. Imagine if they all just like got together and like made one huge flame and then just invited everyone to come and everyone got warm from it because we all were together <laughs> rather than splitting up the flame into little bits and pieces, which really wasn't that warm. You guys know what I'm saying? <laughs> Gathering together. It's, 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 it's how it's gonna, it's how God's gonna bring his kingdom into this world. It's, 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 it's the only, it's the only plan he's got is the church. And until we stop bad-mouthing her and saying horrible things about her and realize this is it and he's not, changed, not changing his mind anytime soon and we just, we learn 
how to get along with one another and love one another genuinely, despite our differences, then like until we do that, we're not gonna see the kingdom come. I don't reckon. Um, even in even in spiritual gifts, right? So Paul writes three chapters on spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, 13, and 14. In, chapters four, in chapter 14, he writes practical advice on how to run church with spiritual gifts involved. He talks about prophecy, speaking in tongues, revelations, all this sort of stuff, right? 12 and 13 are the, are the chapters he had to write before 14, right? So before he gets to practical, he spent two chapters writing about something else. What do you think he wrote about? Love, chapter 13. What's chapter 12 about? Love is one pillar. Chapter 12 is all about unity. So when you read chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, Paul, Paul says the word same like 5 billion times. He was like, of the same spirit, of the same spirit, of the same spirit. You have this gift, you have this gift, you have this gift, of the same spirit. He's trying to actually get you to understand before you can walk in spiritual gifts and in the power of God and his manifestations, which are good things and which you should eagerly desire, you must understand you are all of the same spirit and you must be unified in that. Before he even spoke about how to actually walk in them, chapter 14, he gives you a whole chapter, same, 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 you're of the same God, you're of the same body. And then he, and he starts talking about if the foot um, says to the ear, we don't need you, that's an ineffective body. If you start like calling down other people saying we don't need you in the church or you're useless or I'm better or I'm more honored or esteemed, that's going to break apart the body. Do you guys know what I'm saying? He spends the whole chapter, unity, be unified, come together. You are already together. You've got to realize that and walk in that. Then I'll show you how you can walk in the power of God. After love, of course. <laughs> but unity and love before power or else horrible stuff happens. It ain't good. All right. So what should our relationship with the church be? I got four points for those who are writing notes. Number one, commit to the church. <laughs> I think it's only you that's writing notes, Kathy. It's good though. Appreciate it. Um, drawing pictures. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> Number one, commit to the church. This is step one. Commit to the church. Most of the books in the New Testament are written to local churches. It is literally the thrust of the New Testament. Paul writes all these letters to different churches all around, right? So find one, commit to it, give your life to it, serve the people there, and that's your family. Those are your brothers and sisters. Start there. Let's just start with that. If we could just be committed to a church, that would, that would change so much. Like, I, I honestly feel, especially in our culture, we fluctuate with like, like committing to stuff so much. We're just like, yeah, I'll go for a little bit, then I'll just, when I get over it, I'll just stop. Do you know what I mean? We don't actually go, I'm gonna be there week in, week out, as much as I can humanly possibly be, because that's my family, and I don't skip out on family night. But you don't necessarily just mean church on Sundays, though, do you? No, of course not. I just mean committed to a particular local group gathering. Yeah, group of Christians, exactly right. You know what I mean? So yeah, would, I don't know. Yeah. Sorry? As in the global church? Yeah, yeah. 
It's good. Um, this is Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. And also this, this comes straight after. Remember how, I, I don't know, I'm struggling to speak tonight. Remember how I read out Hebrews 9 and Hebrews 10 that night we did righteousness? Does anyone remember that? Yeah. I read like the whole thing. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> I found it epic too. Um, this is literally the end of Hebrews 10, right? So, okay, this is how I've, this is how I've gone in my head at teaching night. Started with truth, truth, hope, then faith, then God is good, then righteousness, and then love. And it kind of ends on love because that's what you go and do each day, right? That's as far as I, I've got in my head. So it's like truth, hope, faith, God is good, righteousness, and then love. That was like my pillars that I kind of established, right? So at the end of, so Hebrews 10 was all about righteousness, right? At the end of Hebrews 10, this is what it says. It's <laughs> good. Um, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So the, the end point of righteousness and all that Jesus accomplished for you, he goes, yeah, it doesn't end there. It ends with stirring up one another, encouraging one another to love and good works. And not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So what's the end of righteousness? That you would do good works and love one another. And don't skimp out on it. Don't say, I didn't feel like coming tonight. Don't say, oh yeah, I tried that for a little bit. I'm good now. No, 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 no. Commit to a church. Commit to some people. Love them. Serve them. Or if you need to be loved, be loved by them. Go find some people that are around you that can like lift you up and love you. Just commit. Don't, don't be flaky. We're such a flaky culture. We're here one week, gone the next. It's just like, man, that sucks. Anyway. Um, make it a priority in whichever way you can to regularly gather with the people of God for the sake of loving God together and loving and encouraging one another. Now, it doesn't really matter who or where or when. Like that stuff's really not that important. But just gather at a church you feel God has put on your heart. Find someone that God's just like, yeah, them, and just go for it. Doesn't matter who, where, when, what, whatever. Whatever day of the week, whenever you want to do it, I don't care. Doesn't matter. Just find some people. Because we have to. We can't do this on our own. You burn out. Um, I remember, I think I got this reading a book one time, but there was this guy... He was a pastor and he was going to meet with this guy at his house who had just left church and hadn't been there for a few months. And then he knew when he was going there that the guy didn't really want to hear about, oh, come back to church, bro, you need to, Jesus says so, da, da, da. He says he, it says, um, the story was like he went there and they were in front of the fireplace and instead of saying anything, they just sat there in front of the fireplace and they kind of knew the conversation that needed to be had, but they weren't speaking it. And then eventually the pastor gets up, he picks up like little fire tongs and he picks up one coal and he brings it outside of the fireplace and puts it on the ground. It doesn't say a word. And, he, and the, the guy just watches it. And then slowly over a couple of minutes, the coal just got like dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And eventually like the flame just went out. And then the pastor, as soon as it went out, picked it back up again, put it back in the fireplace and it came back to life. And then he walked out the door. <laughs> And the guy was like bawling. He was oh, just like, and then he came back to church or something. I was like, that is boss, dude. Sometimes you don't need to say anything. You just got to demonstrate it with fire. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> anyway, like that, that's exactly what it is, right? Like, we can't do this on our own. Like, I feel like a lot of us have tried to. And it's like, you. I heard someone say this once actually. And I think it's like, 
it is there's a lot of truth to it you can be a christian technically without committing to a local body of of people of christians you can you can be a christian without going to a church right but you can't be an on fire christian without committing to a, a group of people like you can but i've like almost never seen it like the people that are just like they really are living for jesus they've given their everything they are committed to a group of people of the same mind same heart like time and time again i've seen it anyway um food for thought that one um okay here's a good one for our culture be there at church be there as much as you can and lay down your own lives your schedules your healthy sleep patterns even and your conveniences for your brothers and your sisters just be there commit to it say i'm just going to be there every single week as much as i can commit to the church all right number two love the church love the church when you come to church what goes through your head about why you want to go because if you're like most normal people and we are <laughs> you'll go through this kind of thought process okay i'm thinking about going to church tonight i'm thinking about going to this thing but what do i get from it i could go and get encouraged i could go and you know get a word, someone give me a word of knowledge. I could go and worship because I kind of enjoy the music sometimes. And you start going through what you get out of the experience. All of a sudden you could go, actually, I don't feel like any of those things tonight. I'd prefer to just chill at home and just whatever, right? But if you flip that mindset and go, hang on a second, I'm going to start going to church for other people. You will never <laughs> skip out on it ever again. I don't reckon because you'll go there because you, you'll understand that the reason that you gather is to encourage and love other people just like that verse I just read out but we totally don't do that we go there to get because we're so used to doing that what benefit do I get from this oh nothing oh I'm good thank you thanks anyway that's not the church the church is I go for you I go for your benefit and like I Jackson actually he's the one who like really rocked me with that. He was like, man, you just got to go to church for other people. And I was like, oh, it was like a year and a half ago. And I was like, dude, thank you so much. That literally just blessed me so much. Cause like, I totally go for myself. I totally go for myself and it's convenient for me. I go when it's not, I don't. <laughs> and he's like, nah, you just got to go for other people. And I started doing that. I was like, okay, every time I was going to go for other people and see what happens. And what happened was I went with this like expectant, ex expectant heart and expectant eyes. I was looking for people. How can I bless people? Who, who's here that no one's speaking to? Who's here that probably needs prayer? I remember they were going through that heavy thing a few months ago. I'm not going to assume they're all good now. I'm going to go and ask them. Who's here that I can encourage? Who's here that I haven't spoken to in a while? Who's here that I've never spoken to before? Who's here that looks new? And, you, and all these opportunities to love people come up because you flipped your perspective. But if you don't, you go to church and you'll go, oh, this sermon's boring. They didn't play my favorite song tonight. If I leave right now, I can catch my favorite TV show. Let's go. <laughs> Grab Max on the way home? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and that'll be your Sunday night or whenever you go to church. Do you know what I mean? It's self. You can't have self. We've got to love the church. Pour, pour your life out for the church because Jesus did. Do you get that? You might look at someone and go, oh, they're just giving their whole life to church. It's so pathetic. I don't want to do that. Jesus did it. Jesus laid down his whole, whole life and poured out his blood for the church. <laughs> Crazy. Um... Come with open eyes, open hearts, and open hands to help and bless other people. Look for those you can love and spend time with and value with conversation and encouragement. 
some people just, oh, I mean, I've spoken a lot about this already with like listening and stuff. Some people can just be so <coughs> valued by, by you just talking with them at church. Just talking with them. How was your week? How are you going? What can I pray for you for? Little things like that. You can, you, we'll build the church through little things like that. We will build it up. It'll be amazing. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so cool. You mean the, the listening one? Yeah. That's so awesome. That's such a good one. Oh, that's awesome. You like that one too, didn't you, Johnny? Amen. You told me. <laughs> so good. You three? Oh, awesome. Yeah. So good. <laughs> um, Are you still going by points or are we still in one? No, I, I said two. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Oh, two. Did you guys? I, st- I did say two, didn't I? <laughs> it was like commit to two. No, no, no. Okay, <laughs> Love the church. Love the church. I, I'm pretty sure I did say number two. I'll listen to it on the recording tomorrow and text you. The best of my knowledge, I did. <laughs> and I'm sorry if I didn't. Because <laughs> I've definitely missed points before. How bad. Um, <laughs> so good. Um, and also, like, when you go to church, look how you can use your gifts to bless other people that God has given you, right? Like if you, you, you will know how you're gifted, right? You know how you're equipped. Look how you can use it. Look for an opportunity to serve, to, to, to minister to people. Like if you're gifted in teaching, or if you're gifted in um, like writing Bible studies and you go, oh, no one's asking to do it. Go make an opportunity for that. Like you're good at it. People can, we can always use more to build people up, build people up, build people up, build people up. Jesus. Um, this is Ephesians 4, 11, 16. Flip there if you want, it's a bit of reading. Um, so Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. He gave all those different types of ser- serving roles to equip his people so they could work and do good works and love people. That's the end point. Love, good works. Um, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. That is my dream. The body is built up so we can all reach unity in the faith. We all have the same faith, all striving after the same thing. We're unified. Oh, please, Jesus. Um, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I want that too. Um, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The part I love there probably the most is that last part. It grows and builds itself up in love as each does its part. So if I just go to church, if I just go and meet with people and I just do my thing, if I do what I know God's put on my heart to do, what he's equipped me to do, then I've done my part. And if everyone did that, everyone would be growing up and building each other up in love and we'll be growing and growing and growing and this thing will become incredible if everyone just did their part. Like imagine if you were like, 
a politician and you were like given the task of, I need to clean up Australia, right? That's a bit of a task. If it, let's, let's just say Australia was like super messy and like there's like rubbish everywhere, right? If you had the task of cleaning up Australia, literally the only way you could possibly do it in terms of the long-term solution is everyone plays their part. If they don't, it'll continu continually be um, dirty <laughs> and rubbish will be everywhere. But if everyone just like picked up a little bit here and there, like when we were like, we were like kids and we went out and did like um, paper pickups and rubbish pickups at school and, uh... and the teacher was just like, just pick up a few and if we all do a few, we'll clean the whole uh, field, yeah. <laughs> the whole whatever, <laughs> the whole playground. <laughs> and it's true. Oh, yeah. I remember just picking up like 10 pieces and then we looked around and it was like, it was all done. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Cause everyone played their part. Mm. How cool is that? Yeah. So much more powerful when we, when we unify. Um, yeah. <sighs> Let's make the church a hub of, in of the incredible love of God and nothing more. Just make it a hub where, he, like, where, where you know you can come and you're going to feel, experience and taste the love of God because everyone's just loving and serving one another, doing their part and loving each other. Point number three for Kathy. <laughs> Unify the church. Unify the church. I probably am going to do a whole night on this at some point and teaching night because it's like it's really heavy on my heart right now how disunified the church is makes me sad um but it also makes me excited and expectant because when we do get our act together oh my goodness this world's going to change um okay here's my here's my big point for this point <laughs> we need to create unity through love we need to create unity through love you disagree with me, I disagree with you. You say this about that, that, this passage, I say this about that passage. Well, what are we going to do? Well, I think you should go, do you think I, I should go do my thing? That's what we do in the church and I don't like it. It's sad because <laughs> we're family and family doesn't split apart like that. Because if, okay, if truth is the highest value in the church, you'll probably do that. If you're obsessed with truth and having the exact right theology, exact right understanding of God, you'll probably do that. You'll separate from people who don't agree with you. You will. But if love is the highest thing, you will join with them. You will join with them. You will overlook each other's differences and you'll actually be a family and a body and you'll be unified. That's why love has to be number one. Love has to be the top. If it's not, we're going to, be, we're going to remain divided. We're going to have our own camps, our own theologies and our own thing. And, when it, and every single camp's going to say all, all the other camps suck. I'm so sick of that in the church. I literally was, was like raised in a sense to badmouth other churches. Like, oh, those guys stay away from there and they do this, this and this. Just like, before you even go there, before you even experience it for yourself, you have a negative like uh, perspective on it. Mm. And I was taught that by other people because that's what they did. I don't like that. That's my brothers, my sisters, the bride of Christ, his fiance. <laughs> you can't talk about her like that. She's precious. Now, false teachers, yeah, kick them out. If there's, if there's literally, and, I, and this is my understanding of a false teacher, someone who is intentionally, volitionally in their own heart, like evilly, <laughs> is that even a word, evilly? No, it's not a word, you know what I mean. <laughs> 
with evil intent. <laughs> with evil intent coming into the church to try and divide, destroy, tear down, break apart, all these things. That's a false teacher. They need to go. You've got to kick them out. You have to. But people who are trying their best to understand God and live Him out, they're called Christians. <laughs> and they're called your brothers and sisters. And you say, but they disagree with me. What do people disagree with you? <laughs> that doesn't make you right and them wrong. And nor does it make them right and you wrong. You, pro you probably both don't have the full picture. <laughs> you probably both need each other. And you probably just need to love one another. And if you did love one another, you'd actually combine your efforts and achieve even more. Because the more unity, the more presence of God comes. And the more revelation you get, and the more knowledge you get, the more wisdom you get. Mm. <laughs> Do you guys know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jesus. Can I, can I add on that? Oh, yeah, all right. Just a bit. No, I'm kidding, uh, of course. Um, just that, um, like, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Yeah. And, like, on the pursuit of love together with differing views, like, iron can't sharpen iron if it doesn't rub against it. Yeah. And so if you're with people that are on the same view and you just go like that, you don't get any sharper. But with people with a different view, you guys get yeah. sharpened into actual truth. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's it. Love it. Thanks, man. That's nice. good. That, that's Proverbs, hey? Yeah, I think Proverbs, so. yeah. So good. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Got to go do some uh, rubbing up against other people. Yeah. <laughs> In love. Um, <laughs> not head just rubbing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not literally. <laughs> um, um what I think is important is for all parties slash denominations to hold to what they believe God is showing them. So if we, we feel like we have a particular theology because God is showing this to us, well, someone else could have the exact same experience at a different uh, denomination or different church, and they would actually be violating their own conscience and relationship with God for them to just agree with you because that's what you want. Does that make sense? They need to be shown what you're saying to be true through their own relationship with God. Otherwise, they are sinning, <laughs> in my opinion, mm. because then they're submitting to man, not to God. And so if everyone just understood that and we go, okay, everyone's being shown different things by God potentially, so how about we all love one another while we pursue God together and let Him work out the kinks? You guys know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I don't think anyone should believe they have all the answers. I've been totally such a hypocrite with this all my whole life, I reckon. I've just like, I've always thought that I have it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't have it. God's taken me, it's taken me ages for God for me to understand that I don't, I don't have it all. <laughs> oh, it's just so, so proud. <laughs> but I couldn't handle the idea that someone else would say something different to me and, and, and I'd be wrong. But that's, that's just pride. We need to clothe ourselves in humility and, and let other people have their own opinion, have their own say and love them in the process. Um, Nathan, yo, um, that is my name. Just, <laughs> how are you discerning between false prophets and yeah. non? Yeah, it, I, I think that's a good question and that's something I'm still sort of working out in my head. And I don't think it's a black and white answer. Um, 
it's kind of a little bit what I said before about like, I think the false prophet is someone who is intentionally divisive, intentionally like trying to tear down the church, trying to separate people, trying to like with evil intent in their heart, going after something that's selfish and self-motivated and, and not God. Do you know what I mean? But in order to, for me to understand who that is and who that's not, I need discernment. I need relationship. I need to see what, how they're doing things. I, I, don't, I don't have a black and white answer to say this person is, this person isn't. I just need discernment to know why are they doing what they're doing? Because there like, there's a lot of passages in the New Testament talking about be aware of um, false teachers, be aware of false prophets. <coughs> they're going to come to you in sheep's clothing. So they're going to look like they are right. They're going to look like they're Christians. They're going to look like they have authority. They're going to they're claim all these different things, right? And um, I, yeah, f- for me, I'm just like, I've, I've had lots of, lots of people disagree with me in my, in my life and that's okay, but I don't think many of them are false teachers. I don't think, I, I couldn't think of anyone in my head. I actually, the people that have disagreed with me in the past, I, I see them as people who are genuinely, as, as far as I can tell anyway, from my relationship with them and my understanding and my discernment of them, they're genuinely trying their best to understand God themselves. And for me to go, you're a false teacher, you have lies, you have this, you have that, is not right, I don't think. Because I think wolves are a lot more volitional and evil than that. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. It's just I think the undercurrent of all of them is deception. Yeah. Along with the devil. Mm. And so the totally. point of deception is that it's truth bought. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, good point. And it's that's really hard to call them yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. And sometimes you will actually find yourself in the middle of it before you actually are able to see that it is deceptive or that it is evil. And, and I'm making correct me if I'm mistaken, but also look for the fruit. Absolutely. You spend, you spend time, you, as scary as it sounds, you, you will need to form a relationship through it all. But look for the fruits. Mm. Say something, Adam? In I think one of the clearest passages about false teachers is in one John. because um, it's a very black and white book. And it sort of says that false teachers are they have a spirit from the devil. So within you, Holy Spirit's just gonna straight up highlight something and be like, no, that's not right. Because Holy Spirit knows. Mm-hmm. So just trust that. Mm-hmm. But also like there's something I do that's maybe a little bit extreme. Um, is I have literally zero, if, if you, someone comes up to me and says, I'm a pastor, I will not have any respect for them. I will have respect for them. Like I will honor and love them as a person, but I will only have respect for someone and their teaching when I see their life, when I see how they treat people, when I see the fruit from their life. Like as Kathy was saying, like I don't, I don't care if Todd White comes up to me and says, I'm Todd White. I'm like, that's great. What's your life like? If yeah. um, Randy Clark, I was just at his conference, never heard of him in my life. 
I went in there with zero expectation. I didn't think he was good, I didn't think he was bad. I was just said, I'm gonna see how you treat him, <coughs> see how your life is. And that's just the way I went about it. Because he very could be like he's a big dog, obviously, so he and it'd be dangerous if he was a false teacher or a false prophet, because he's got a lot of influence, because a lot of people speak very highly of him. And I think it's very important to have that, like, just because you're in name doesn't mean I will honor it. Like, obviously honor a prophet and you will receive their blessing. Like, there is that sort of tension where there's like, yes, honor a prophet, because God has anointed them with that, but also be wise in how you go about things. Like, be don't just go with the flow of what people are saying, because otherwise then, if, if we're just going with the flow of whoever it is, then we're just um, influenced by every little left-right theology that comes along, and we're not firm in our own understanding with God. So to be able to discern if it's a <coughs> prophet or not, is to first understand how God works in, um, or teach up, first understand how God teaches and what he teaches, which is understanding mm. his heart. And second, going, to God before you respect man, I guess, because you'll know if you'll know when to respect a man because God will put that respect on your heart. At least I thought. Again, I go pretty extreme, but I think God um, tells us to to ask for wisdom, yeah. about, and, and He will mm. give it to us. So I think that's the core, isn't it? Yeah. If you if God gives you the wisdom, then you are ultimately going to be able to mm. discern those people. You know, and I, I think that's really super important in these days because it is everything's so close to the wind of truth and not truth and, you know, this kind of stuff. Mm. And I think just asking for wisdom and praying for wisdom all the time, which we do, because mm. I think it's such an important thing. And we also pray about this very different, very thing. And we just say, God, we give you permission to do whatever you need to do if we start to go into deception, that you to pull us out. Do what yeah. we give you permission. Mm to do whatever you need to do. Mm. And I think that's a really safe prayer because you're really relying on him <coughs> to guide you and keep you on that narrow path because it's very, it is wicked out there and there's so much light that seems the truth, but it's not. Yes. And I think that's, that's for us is something Absolutely. that we really hold on to is we pray for God's wisdom all the time. Yes. And we also say, God, we give you permission to hit us around the head if we are going into some kind of deception. Yeah. You know, and we really need it. <laughs> because it's, when you're in deception, you don't know. Yeah. You know? But by, by the very definition of deception, it's you will not know if you're being deceived. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something that we... we that's amazing. So I, I, just on the back of that, like, you, the, it takes a certain type of person, a certain, a certain type of heart to be able to pray something like that. And that, to me, proves, or maybe not proves, but at least is very strong evidence to suggest that that person who prayed that um, prayer or at least thinks like that is not someone who is a false teacher because they're actually asking God and I personally do this all the time I'm like God you show me where I'm wrong I am so happy to change exactly how I think I really want to change if I have any lies in me get them out I don't want them that's the heart of someone who's just like I know I was talking about myself so it's kind of like boastful <laughs> but like that 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 to me is like evidence of someone who has genuinely to the best of their ability yeah, that's what I'm trying to, to differentiate here because I think we jump to, you're different to me, therefore I'm just going to separate myself from you. And that's why I wanted to spend a whole night on this unifying thing because I knew these questions would come up and like there is no black and white answer for some of this stuff because it is kind of like you need into sermon and wisdom and all this sort of stuff. But 
For me, what I want to hit on tonight was that we do often jump to these conclusions and we do often divide the church. We don't need to divide the church. When, let's say, you've got five different denominations and five different pastors leading those things. If all those pastors prayed like that, to me, they're all Christian. And to the best of their ability, they're following God as best they know how. I'm just like, man, you're all Christian. You're doing the best that you can. How about you just agree to disagree? Like, keep, keep the conversation going. Keep talking about these different theologies, different perspectives and all this sort of stuff. Keep it open. Listen to each other. Like, and if, and if one of them is right or one of them is like stronger, how about you all have the humility to be able to go, God, please show me how I can incorporate this truth into my life. That, they're Christians. <laughs> as far as I know, as far as I can understand and discern myself. Do you know what I mean? For me, the, 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 the false teacher is, like you said, deception, deceiving. It's evil. It's volitional from the heart. I want to, it's, it's demonic. Like Satan's the father of lies, right? It's, it's built on lies. But sometimes you can be in lies and not know them. And that doesn't mean that you're guilty of that. You were raised in that. And like, because people are raised in cults. Do you know what I mean? It's not technically their fault. <laughs> They're in that. And they need to understand, like hopefully Holy Spirit can help them and, and show them discernment of how to get out of that. And, but that's not their fault. They were born in that. Do you know what I mean? So that's just my best, like, short little answer on that. But we will do a night on this because it's, it's big on my heart right now. Maybe next week. I don't know. But um, is that cool for now? Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Jess. Good question. Um, all right. I was trying to speed this up because we're going over time as usual. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You wouldn't want someone to talk crap about your bride behind your back, would you? So don't do it to God. <laughs> that's, like, my big point. <laughs> And for ladies, for your, for your um, future husband, your groom. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, let's just wrap that up there. Um, point number four, spread the church. Point number four, spread the church. Because it has to end with like not us, right? We can't just be an end to ourselves, an entity of our own, an island to island. Unto, what's, what's the line, the island thing? Yeah, no man is an island, exactly. So we can't be an island unto ourselves. Is that, is that a saying? No, but sure. You know what I mean by it. Is it? It is, I'm sure it is. It is now. Yeah, Nathan coined 2017. Yeah. All right, anyway, whether or not it is, let's just keep moving. Um, so point number four, spread the church. So guys, invite other people to the church. They will get warm when they come to the church. Did you know that? Even if they disagree, they'll walk into a place where the presence of God is stronger because we're gathering here in his name. There's powerful things that happen that you can't even see that's going on in their heart. People get saved. Do you know what I mean? Like I almost never see people get saved like outside of Christian gatherings. Pretty much never. It's crazy. And in Acts, same thing happened. They would gather and they would preach the word. People get saved and healed and God would work amazing signs through them and then they all gather and sing and praise and they were just together they were a family you know what I mean they had everything in common they sold their land and put it into one big pot and they shared, shared it with those who had need the most that's amazing that's a family anyway um, <coughs> invite others <laughs> preach the gospel evangelize keep people accountable like this is what the church is good at this is what the church should do um, seek those who haven't come in a while if you haven't seen someone's face in a while, think about people. Send them a little text. Hey, hope you're going well. Love heart emoji. Prayer emoji. <laughs> that's, that's my jam. That kind of stuff. I love it. 
I text people all the time, like when I haven't seen them in a while. Because I want them to know that I'm thinking about them. Because I am thinking about them and I'm praying about them. And I don't want to pressure them into coming back. I just want to invite them to say, hey, like, totally people are missing you. Totally people like, like want you back here. Look, obviously do your own thing in your own time. But please come back. <laughs> That's what the church should do. Reach out to people that have, you know what I mean? That have stopped coming. Everyone, I'm sure everyone knows people that have stopped coming to church. We can reach out. We can do more. Um, go and start new churches. If you feel in your heart, like legitimately, like that you have a, like a strong desire to plant a church in your, in, like on your heart, go and do it. Like we need to commit to the church, but we also need to go and make new bodies elsewhere, new local gatherings elsewhere. Um, listen to the voice of God and see what he is saying about you and your church. Overall, just talk good of God's bride and your brothers and sisters. She is what he paid for with his blood and she means so much to him. Even if she seems worthless, worthless to the world and to you. She is a vessel for the glory of God. The very fact that she has potential to be so bad means she, means she brings him so much glory when she is good. She is his weapon for love on this earth and many people may only experience the love of God through his bride. Like many people are only going to experience God through the church. And we have a responsibility and a task before us to make the church amazing. And you know how you do that? Love one another. Stir one another up. Encourage people. See someone that looks down. Go up and encourage them. Listen to them. Give them a word. Say you're praying for them. Give them a hug. <laughs> Something. Build the church up. Don't tear it down. Don't speak bad about it. Do way more for the church than you ever open your mouth and speak about. Do way more for the church. Then I'll listen to you. If you've got something to say about the church, then I'll listen to you. When I say that you're actually like, you're involved in the church, you're sacrificing yourself for the church because you love the church. You understand she's the bride. When you understand that, and then you want to say something about the church, I'll listen to you then. But don't go and just start speaking about the church behind her back. Don't do that. She's beautiful. <laughs> she's the bride. God's preparing her. So good. Um, we have a responsibility to revere and respect and to build the church with God because it's his plan A and there's honestly no plan B. <laughs> if we don't get this right, there is nothing else. That, that's it. That's his plan. The church. Anyone here believe that? Yeah. <laughs> good. Okay, let's finish on this scripture. Colossians 3.16 let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's it. Amen. Anyway, actually, any questions before we close? Are we good? Yay. All right. Thanks, guys. Peace. Love you all.